So hi folks, Dave here. Before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that we've teamed up with audible.co.uk and we're offering you a free audiobook. All you have to do is register for a one month free trial to claim your free audiobook, of which there are over 250,000 to choose from. It's a 30 day free trial. It means you can choose a free audiobook, which is yours to keep whether or not you decide to cancel that trial period or not. Free piece of advice, if you're gonna try an audiobook, go for Bill Bryson's A Walk in the Woods. Anyway, sign up at www.audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Back to the show. Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast that comes every Monday and Thursday for the love of tech with David Savage and Jack Pierce. Today's show is a little bit different given that Jack's on holiday in the USA. I'm going to share five interviews that we recorded at OpenAct of the incubator run by Sports England. And they're five different startups and their founders rather, talking about how we can encourage people to get active in new ways, how technology is enabling that, and how we can also support people's mental well-being. I hope you enjoy this different mashup episode. So to start off this uh, podcast mashup of, of, of episodes from Open Active. Uh, we're talking to Alison Savage, and you are the strategic lead, uh, market and data innovation, or data and market innovation rather, for Sport England. That's right. That's correct. Um, what What is your role at Sport England, and how does that relate to Open Active and the five uh, startups that we're going to hear from? So we know that uh, data has an important role to play for our sector, uh, and some of that is about us as a sector understanding consumer behaviour better mm. and then making the right decisions about where we invest our money. But we also know that for a lot of consumers, um, they find it hard to find the right activity for them. So in a digital world, uh, it's actually quite hard to find physical activity information online. Uh, and that's why we've been working with these startups because uh, they really understand their customer and they're really trying to create new products, new services, new ways of getting active mm-hmm. um, that uses all the, all the data that exists out there at the moment um, about the physical activity opportunities uh, and is inspiring people to get active, which is our ultimate aim. And look, when you think of Sport England, Maybe this is naive of me, but I immediately think of kind of team sports or athletics. Uh, but yep. when we look through the kind of the companies that the, the, the listeners are about to hear from, Sweat and Sound, Onigo, I prescribe trainers one and, and, and go sweat. In particular, Sweat and Sound and Onigo have got a, a huge slant towards mental health. It's not just kind of team sports in that aspect. So I suppose this is this is possibly a little bit more diverse than people might necessarily immediately associate immediately associate the work of Sport England with. Definitely. Um, We actually launched a new strategy back in 2016, uh, which came off the back of the government sports strategy. But one of the fundamental shifts in that strategy was uh, it's less about sport for sport's sake. So I guess we have a strong evidence base that says being physically active will help your physical well-being. But we also believe that physical activity has a really critical role in uh, a lot of other um, outcomes for individuals and like you said mental well-being is a critical one that we know uh, a lot of people are, are faced with today um, but likewise sort of things like your own confidence and individual development sort of how communities um, support each other and how they sort of uh, enjoy their lives but also economic development so I guess these startups are the example of new market entries so I guess new startups mm-hmm. new entrepreneurs that are coming into our sector 
uh, and also thinking about the problem slightly differently to maybe some of the traditional partners. Uh, and like you said, I think sport is a funny one because it, our, our name isn't very helpful, but uh, sport, uh, we are wider than just sport. We are certainly about physical activity as a whole and supporting that wider health and well-being agenda um, that other sort of important government departments like Public Health England and the NHS that we want. Uh, we think sport and physical activity has a role to play in solving those challenges. Well, look, thank you very much for spending a couple of minutes and kind of fitting together how Open Active and Sport England uh, into kind of intertwine. And uh, it'll be really interesting now to, to hear from, from the uh, startups that are involved in, in the programme. Enjoy. Our first interview is with Sweat and Sound and explores how churches and kind of brownfield sites can be reutilised to create multi-sensory experiences. So Ariana, you um, run a business called Sweat and Sound. Yes. Which is an experience business. It's an experience business. What is that experience? So the experience is, it's multi-sensory. So mm. we create fitness and wellness experiences that tap into multiple senses, mainly through movement and through music. So incorporating the right type of sound with sort of a fitness or a wellness experience can have, we've found, to have huge impact. We also use secret spaces mm -hmm. because people love turning up at secret spaces. It's got a great effect. And then we also use use things like immersive visuals and um, scent and lots of other sort of different things. When you talk about wellness, you mean in a very broad sense, but equally mm. specifically mental well-being. Yeah, so anything that incorporates sort of either a fitness class, meditation, um, anything within the wellness space, I guess. What would be really interesting, because if you look at your website, there's a number of different experiences profiled on that site with photos and videos. There's one called Aurora that before we hit record you were talking about. Just talk me through what that is and, and how that event runs and why people do find that it makes such an impact. Okay, so Aurora, and I forgot to mention before, all of our events, they follow a storyline. Mm -hmm. So we specifically create a story that people can walk into and the class, the music and everything is used to pull them into the story. So Aurora is a journey through the galaxies. Mm -hmm. So we use a yoga and meditation class with a live orchestra set in a historic church. We use immersive visuals and projections to take you on a journey throughout a space. So throughout the yoga meditation, you're journeying through the stars. No, no small feat. Um, no. Look, you mentioned there about kind of the secret venue aspect. Mm. Secret cinema has obviously been a wildly successful kind of guerrilla campaign that's grown into this this huge kind of. Yeah. I don't know. Is it kind of three or four times a year now? I'm not entirely Something sure. Something like that. Yeah. Um, how have you gone about building your brand and making sure that the message is right and choosing? How do you you know? How do you work out what platforms are the right platforms for that brand? Well, at the moment, Instagram is our main platform. I think Instagram, just in general, is the rocket fuel for the fitness and wellness industry. Mm -hmm. Like everyone, I think that's quite obvious. Apart from that, a lot of our audience have come through word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, it's really started very organically just by making sure that our first few experiences really were incredible and got people talking. So my yeah, focus is making sure that the quality is second to none every time. And yeah, we started, because of it, we started working with brands as well. So we do lots of different brand events on top of our consumer events to help bring their consumers into their storylines. Where did that idea come from? I mean, where, from your own background, I know that you said that you were involved in the music scene when you were 19 in Bristol, but combining fitness 
and music and art and multi-sensory is, mm. you know, you, there's not many, much competition on the market at the minute. So where did that kind of moment of inspiration come from to put those things together? Um, yeah, it's true. There isn't too much competition on the market in this exact space, but I don't know. It's I, I don't actually know exactly where it came from. I think just from my previous experience, I've worked in everything from sports to music, um, arts, even a bit of fashion. Um, and I think that as well, a lot of the inspiration came from living in New York. So I lived in New York for a couple of years. I moved back in 2016 and just experiencing all the different sort of hot fuss that goes on around there with, you know, crazy pop-ups and immersions and people are very experimentative but also people are very willing to try new trends mm. um and i'm a crazy about fitness so i work out a few times a week and i just yeah really thought that there was a gap and an opportunity for the mu the music side to, ha side to have a bigger impact mm. i'm also i pretty i do particularly love spaces so I actually studied a bit of architecture when I was younger, like my dad's an architect. I know a lot about sort of spaces and the impact that space has on your mental health and how you, it makes you feel. And I feel like firstly, spaces in, especially in London, are not utilised effectively. There are so many empty spaces. Mm. The commercial sort of venue hire market is pretty much booming, but it's the same set of spaces that are making, you know, tens of thousands of pounds every booking. Um, and added to that, Music venues are closing down every single day. Gyms and beauty studios are opening up every single day. Yeah. Artists and performers are losing the capacity to work, but fitness instructors are getting more and more work. What do fitness instructors need? They need music. They need there's there's almost like this pool of opportunity where an experience can be created with all of these different elements and everyone can ultimately benefit from it. So that's the space I'm working in. Look, one, one quick last point that I think is quite interesting. Um, before we hit record, you talked about VR. And obviously VR is one of those emerging tech that people are really interested in. Yeah. Now, I did a podcast, I think about six, maybe nine months ago at the mm -hmm. British Museum yeah. with their director of digital who's talking about how they're using Facebook uh, Live and VR to kind of enable people to get access to art that normally wouldn't be able to go to a gallery to see a particular art, piece mm. of art. I would assume that you don't see VR being an alternative to going to one of your experiences because you're not mm. physically there in that space. Yeah. But how do you see VR working for you as a business going forward, potentially? It's not, I don't personally see it as an alternative. However, the experience and being in that experience is, the benefits are so powerful that I still, I think that if we were to capture it in virtual reality, I still think it would have a benefit yeah. and that would just make it more accessible to people, you know, halfway across the world. At the end of the day, we're very limited by the fact that, you know, I'm currently based in London. I can only, I've only got this much resource. I can only do this amount of events per month, etc. Each event can only fit a certain amount of people in it. We already sell out of every single event. So mm. I've got all of these limiting factors and I just think that it could be a really good avenue to make it more accessible and obviously help um, us scale the business mm. as well. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. I know that you are looking for a technology co-founder at the minute to help you grow, right? I am. I'm looking for a technology co-founder. So if, if anyone is listening who's interested in fitness, then they should get in touch. Give me a shout. My email is ariana at sweatandsound.com. Thank you. Next up is Trainers One, who are encouraging amateur runners to train like the elite. 
So we're talking to train as one. We've got, are there three co-founders or three of you in the business and two co-founders? Uh, I'm the founder. Right. And then there's two other full-time employees. So Sean, you're the founder. Yes. And David, you provide the technical wraparound to everything other than the, the machine learning and the training aspects that Sean brings to the business. I think that would be fair to say, yes. How, how, where did this start from? What was the concept behind the business? Because um, if we're thinking about training and fitness tracking, there are obviously a lot of consumer style um, apps and devices out there. So what, what weren't they doing for you? Um, it was really about 15, 20 years ago, I got roped into doing a mountain marathon and which I might say you're mad just just to kind of throw that in there yeah, having been a, a whole... fell walker for many years I see people running past me and I just think they are nuts yes there's a whole <laughs> long story to it but the, and the, sh the short story is I needed to train myself rapidly right for that and being a medical doctor I went back to the scientific papers right. to work out what was the best way of training efficiently and effectively uh, without injury, that being a key thing. Mm. Um, and that really started me on the road to thinking about how Joe Public should be training because 56% of runners get injured every year, um, which is, just seems a preposterously big eye, uh, number. Um, and I felt there should be a better way. And that's really what started the whole thing off. Well, look, that is, throws up an interesting question in my mind because as you state there, you, you, looked at this because of what would I suppose be termed as, as an extreme sport example but then obviously there is application here for Joe Public. In terms of your users, what is, what is the typical user of trainers one? Is it someone who's training for a half marathon and it's maybe something that's that's going to cause slight exertion outside of their normal routine but it's not an ultra marathon or is it people who are really pushing themselves? Um, originally we did attract a lot of the hardcore marathon and ultra runners, mm. uh, which in some ways is a bit of a surprise to myself. I thought that they would think they know better. Um, however, that has changed and our biggest uh, race distance people are training for is 10 kilometers, or mm. five and 10 kilometers, which fits in with what is the most popular participation distances. Mm. Um, so over the years it has moved further down, which is great, which is what we want. The system can does work fantastically for people doing ultras and uh, but we do want it to work for everyone from people who are not active at all who are starting on their um, activity journey. Mm. And, and how does it work? You're collecting data from people out on their morning jogs, you know, what, how do you build that data set that allows the intelligence to have value? Yeah, so we take data from existing running apps and sports watches. Mm -hmm. So there's no need to actually change. There's no need to download another app and start using that. If you already enjoy using Strava or we've got a, a Garmin watch, then that's, that's great. We take that data, we uh, take your historical data, and we or the system analyzes it, works out your level of fitness, you tell it your goal, such as you want to do a marathon in 12 weeks time, how often you can train, on a general week-to-week -week basis and the system produces a plan and every time you go for a run we receive that new data the system analyzes it determines what that run has done to your physiology also mm. taking into account the weather conditions of the run so how hot it was uh, and then uh, adjust your training plan accordingly again 
taking into effect and into account what the likely time of your run is going to be and what the weather or the temperature is going to be at that time as well. How difficult has it been to try and integrate those various different platforms? Because I suppose Garmin to Fitbit to Run Tracker or Run Keeper rather must be, they're all very different. Yes, they all have their own APIs and yeah. every single API is different and every single API um, has different ideas about what should be easy and what seems to be hard. Have, have you had to make decisions as a, as a business in terms of going, we'd love to have that community of people, but quite frankly, if we try and integrate, integrate this into our service, it's going to make it messy and therefore we're going to leave it? It's more of a resource um, aspect. So obviously we want to integrate with every service. Mm. What we found is determining one or two of the most interesting services first and integrating against them. And in this case, in this area, there are a few third-party services that provide activity synchronization. So uh, Fitness Sync and Topiric are two of them. You can link 20 or 30 different activity services to them. So if we integrate with Fitness Sync and Topiric, that handles everyone else. So we integrate with the top four and then a couple of the aggregators. I think also the other related thing on there, which is often a surprise to people, mm. is the quality of the data from uh, A, the device itself, so your mobile phone or the watch, uh, or the or substituting what these other services might do to that data. So at a very simple level, uh, around over 15% of the activities we receive have very obvious uh, errors in them in terms of G GPS errors. Mm. So the quality of the data out of the raw GPS is very, really quite poor. And it's to do your av what most people need or most services need to take in your average you know average pace for your run and the what the average distance was it, it's good enough and you can so they they work quite well so people say oh I did a 10 I did a 10 kilometer run and they're very happy however to when you start to want to analyze it on a per second basis the mm. quality of the data is so is really quite poor and we've had we spent a lot of work in uh, improving, and we've still got lots to do, improving the algorithm so we can actually t uh, take valid information out of that run. How detailed do you think your users get, by the way, in, in analysing this data? Because I kind of, I mused before we hit record that this sounded a bit like the Internet of Things, and you said, well, it's the Internet of, of people or the Internet of the person. And that does suggest that people really do take detailed look into what, what data and what learning this is giving. I think it varies. There are some people um, primarily coming maybe from a cycling background who really care about as much data as you can give them. Mm. So any aspects to tweaks in their heart rate or the, the, the particular aspect of over this undulation, that's really interesting, how, how they're changing on this pattern or that pattern. And a lot, but a lot of runners, they just want to run and have fun and be fitter and faster. Yeah. So unless it's a pretty graph, or some indication of, yes, you're doing better, we think you're going to get this better performance, they're not really interested in the minutiae, so, and you need to counter for all of them. Yeah, because I mean, look, that, that point just interests me a lot, because I'll be perfect, I'm not wearing it today, but I wear a Fitbit normally, I, I stupidly didn't charge it. And I, I'll get those graphs, and then I'll kind of go, oh, that's nice, and then not really know what to do with it. So that point is surely quite, quite a big one in terms of growing the business going forward. It is. One of the things we focused on um, is delivering the actual outcome to the user. Mm. So for the longest time, we had very little feedback at all about how the user was doing. So we'd show them a graph of their run, but we didn't tell them what it meant. What it actually meant to them was, after a couple of weeks, they're fitter, they're faster, their leg doesn't ache anymore, 
that's wonderful. That's the outcome that delivers more than any, any amount of graphs or other things. Over time, however, we want to start layering in more of this. This is how, congratulations, you're getting better, mm -hmm. the badges and the other sort of aspects. But the key thing for the system is it delivers for the outcome to the user. If the user doesn't feel fitter and is faster, then we haven't delivered. Yeah. So just to, to quickly wrap up, if someone wants to use Trainers One, it's I assume it's on the App Store. Is it on Android as well? It's this is this is the point. It, we are in your web-based service. At the oh, oh web-based, right? Okay. Uh, um, so it work. You can use it as a uh, mobile enhanced website. Right. Um, so yeah. So it's basically a, web, a website you go to register. Tell us how you collect your data or wish to collect your data, uh, and then authorize us access. What's the web address? www.trainas1.com. Yeah. Cool. Fantastic. Well, look, it's been great having you uh, come and join us for a few minutes, and hope it continues to go well. Thank, Thank you very much. Jack, I know it's a bit of a stretch, but just imagine you're running a business, okay? <laughs> And you need to grow that business, and talent, as you know, costs a lot, mm. not to mention it being hard to find. Mm. If you could hire a software engineer for your business that probably has a terrible product if your track record is anything to go by, <laughs> but it's trained specifically to your business needs for just around 24,000, would you? Dave, that sounds like a bargain, and I think I would. I'm slightly insulted that you can't picture me running a business. <laughs> I know, it's such a stretch, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, well, you'd be in luck because there is a new program that can deliver highly skilled developers, um, way under the usual cost quota by recruiters. Mm. So why don't you prove me that you do have a little bit of business savvy acumen there and get in touch? Do you know what? I'm going to, if not just to prove you wrong, but who do I drop a line to, Dave? How do I get in touch? Easy, you simply email future-skills-program at harveynash.com. Future-skills-program at harveynash.com. Can they find me a new podcast co-host to replace you? Shut up, please. Okay, our next mini interview is with Onigo, who've taken the escape room concept and put it in a park, which... Um, would actually be very welcome. I've only done an escape room twice and one of them was on a stag do in Bristol and being locked in a room after you've been drinking for eight hours really sharpens the uh, focus on getting out of the room quickly. So we're talking to Alex, you're the CEO and founder of Onigo, is that the right way to pronounce? Yeah, That's great, yeah. Onigo. Uh, what is Onigo? Just in case, well, I hadn't heard of it until we started talking so I have to assume other people hadn't but yeah, it'd be great to hear from you exactly what the product and, and, and the, the company is. Sure. So on a go on mobile adventure games, mm -hmm. which take place in local parks. Um, the way I describe it is imagine kind of Pokemon Go meets an escape game. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all about uh, doing a mission in 60 minutes, which involves uh, navigating around a park, using your phone, solving various different problems and riddles and things like that, mm -hmm. and collecting clues in order to kind of make your escape within 60 minutes. So it is the closest thing that anyone's going to be able to relate to it is, a, is an escape room style event at the moment. But it's, it's very much aimed at health and well-being because you're outdoors and you are much, obviously because you're in a park, you're much more mobile than you would be if you're locked in a room, say. Absolutely. And we, we, we position it as a, an outdoor escape game for exactly that type of purpose. Mm. But the um, you know the, the mission of a business and why the business was founded is all around trying to improve mental and physical health. Um, the way we're trying to do that is by getting people physically active 
uh, and also building social connectivity um, between people, friends, and also between new people. Um, as we know that those are two of the kind of precursors that you need to sort of get right if it's to help uh, prevent poor mental and physical health mm. down the line. Um, so we're specifically uh, um, specifically targeting people who are put off by traditional fitness activities, um, such as gyms and fitness classes, hit classes, boot camps, uh, sports teams, and things like that. Um, and to try and find, uh, to, to basically produce a, uh, an inherently fun, very social, um, active outdoor uh, pursuit that people can play that is sort of both mind and body as well. And you, you describe it as a tech for good company that's anti-tech because you're, you're using technology to power the experience, but ultimately you want people to get up, look at each other, talk to each other, solve the clues and just use the phone, the mobile that's delivering them the information to help guide them, right? Absolutely. And I think, I think a lot of that's because I've, I'm not from a tech background at all. I've spent 10 years um, designing, delivering uh, like a, a sports events and fitness events and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm used to the real world and uh, not using technology in, in, in the actual activity. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to blend the two gives a really interesting proposition. It makes the uh, activity really accessible. Um, it makes it available, hopefully down the line, in multiple locations very easily and mm -hmm. at a very, um, you know, at a very accessible price point as well. But what it does is therefore also facilitate real-world interactions, and the tech has to be good to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and as you're going around playing one of the games at the moment, yes, you're going to be looking at your phone to kind of work out where you're going to go and get your next instruction. But between those sort of touch points with the technology, you're also going to be exploring the park, chatting, walking, talking, um, you know, with, with friends or new people. Um, and in all the feedback that we've had from our participants when we asked them what they liked most about it, it's that side of it. It's not um, It's not the technology side of it, yeah. um, which is an interesting proposition for a tech company. Now, you, you yourself say there that you, know, you don't have a technology background. And I know that you were working with a co-founder who various reasons had to, had to leave and you've just found a new CTO to help you build that business. But putting aside those two individuals, as someone who doesn't necessarily have an understanding of technology previously, how hard or difficult has it been for you to validate, hey, look, not only has someone got the skill set, can they work with me? Do I understand enough of what they're talking about to make informed decisions about whether or not it's going to help my business? Yeah, a very good question. I think I'm very fortunate that I've got a really strong advisory board around me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm certainly not a technologist. Um, I think, you know, you know, my side of, uh, uh, I, I don't want to call it an interview process because I think when you're trying to find a co-founder or a you know, CTO, it's not really a, an interview, it's a com it's conversations. Uh, and so in terms of how well we would work together and company culture and what we see a vision of a business being like, you know, that's that's something that I can do. But I have two amazing CTO advisors um, as part of my advisory board mm. who are you know, extremely experienced of running, scaling, you know, large C you know, um, technology teams. And, you know, they, they, they put, put sort of people through their paces to make sure that you know, on top of that kind of personal fit and culture, there's also the technology skills to back that up. Now, if someone does want to give it a go, you're currently in uh, Battersea in Hyde Park. Correct. Yeah. I suppose one of the one of the absolute beauties of this is that you're not restricted to a physical location. It could pop up in any any number of parks going forward. 
Definitely, that's a plan for the business. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, uh, we we st- only started out at the beginning of this year, of 2018, and um, Bathsy Park and Hyde Park have been our, our two kind of first uh, our first two venues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been wanting to get it right there and learn a lot about what customers like and how we can improve things and mm-hmm. what that experience is. Um, and, and also, as we continue to build out the technology as well. Um, when we're in a position to do so, we'll then be able to put games in any park anywhere, or not necessarily even a park. It could be any form of outdoor outdoor space. Um, and um, yeah, that, 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 that's certainly going to be the, the plans um, for 2019. Well, look, thank you for spending a few minutes and explaining not only the, the concept behind the business, but also why. And uh, look, best of luck going forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Next up is Go Sweat. Uh, they are helping you find your local spaces to be active in. So, first of all, I'm joined by Steph. You're the Chief Procurement Officer at Go Sweat. Uh, hi. Feels um, kind of feels appropriate in this summer where it never seems to drop below 30 degrees to be talking to a company called Go Sweat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. People have been sweating for all kinds of reasons, so <laughs> not just fitness at the moment. Yeah, I was going to say, look, what, what, what is the reason that you want people to sweat. What, what is Go Sweat? What's the company? What are you trying to do? Yeah, so um, Go Sweat is all about making fitness accessible. So we're a sports marketplace. So when you're thinking about doing a yoga class or Pilates mm. or a boot camp or trying to find your local football club, rather than having to go, go to Google and scroll through multiple pages and compare the prices, location, distance, we've really made it easy. So you just search by your postcode for what you're looking for, or you can just search by your postcode and mm-hmm. see what's around you and easily book um, book an activity via us. So we've got hundreds of fantastic sports providers across the country and you can book everything from hit Pilates to Quidditch mm. and kind of everything in between. Now, how do you how do you work out who you should partner with in terms of those those sports activities? Are they coming to the site and saying, can you list us? Or are you kind of going out and building relationships with, with ones that you think are going to be interesting to, to list? Well, actually, when we first started, so at the start of January, um, myself and one of my co-founders, we started doing 365 days of exercise. Right. So that was a different exercise every day uh, for a whole year. And so obviously between us, we, we, we managed to see about 800 different sports providers. Wow. And so that was how we initially started started it we wanted it to be um, sports providers that we had physically trialed and they were the ones that we wanted on the site because we could validate them ourselves yeah um, once we introduced the review feature where users can review the classes themselves we felt like we had a bit more control about it and we could mm. expand to sports providers we hadn't physically been to yeah. um, and as well we are but only two people and so to go across the whole country so then it was a mixture of us reaching out to sports providers who we thought looked really good and really interesting mm. that um, users would engage with but also then sports providers coming to us and saying okay I think you're fantastic like obviously you're reaching a lot of people and it's something we want to be on and we want people to have to review our classes as well. And you've recently uh, announced a partnership deal with 3Mobile is that right? Yeah so that was a really lucky break so we launched um, our website in January mm-hmm. and originally we launched it in Clapham so it was really really focused locally and then we expanded it to the whole of London and really by the end of um, February we'd expanded it nationwide so we'd grown really really rapidly with the with the journey of the sports providers but um Towards the end of January, I kind of reached out to 3Mobile and they've just launched a loyalty app about a year ago called One Two. And I launched, uh, I reached out to... Um, it pops up on my phone. I, I am a 3 customer, so I have seen it pop up on my phone. Yes. So it was, it was One Two that I reached out to and I, I said to um, the, the 
chap responsible for that. Uh, really, you should be featuring Ghost Sweat on here because you don't have anything else in terms of like the fitness that are reaching out to um, your three customers. And um, he, he took the bait. He said, okay, all right, you go national, you hit X amount of sports providers and um, and we'll have you on there in April. And so there we were alongside Domino's, Costa's, offering £5 off any Ghost Sweat activity. And it was just fantastic in terms of growing our user base to be across the whole country. And as well, a fantastic springboard for the investment that we've, we've currently ra- raising. And I'm guessing that you know, you're, you're, a, you're a company currently of, of three founders. Yeah. So to have that footprint does wonders for your brand equity and your, your value proposition to the market, right? Yeah, completely. Um, I mean, there was a lot of late nights, a lot of sleepless nights when obviously we, we confirmed the deal um, in January and mm. that gave us a matter of months in order to expand, expand nationally. And we signed up, we went from having... Um, a relatively small base of sports providers, 30 that were in Clapham, to having 300 in London yeah. and, and about 900 venues across the country by the end of that. What's your background before this? Yeah, so my background, um, I was an area manager for Aldi. Right. So I left university and was really lucky to kind of get onto their prestigious graduate scheme. And so you you do everything. You work in store for two mm. weeks, you run a store for um, a month, and then you're responsible for three stores and about 150 staff. So very, very quick learning, very a lot of responsibility. And I did that for two years and was earning... A, a ridiculous amount for a 21 year old great experience but mm. not technology focused experience and here you are building a tech platform yes not tech not tech um, at all no um but yeah go sweat really came about because we were living the problem yeah um, myself and my co-founder we were both both at Audi, both working long hours and i was living in manchester at the time mm-hmm. and looked up i was trying to find a netball club and it was just so hard and eventually i found one and thought okay this is fantastic and it was in manchester new hampshire in the usa and i was like i've just spent hours trying to do this why is it so hard and so it was at that point that we really started to look and say okay there's there's clearly a gap here nobody's been able to crack it so far you've got people like Treatwell, TripAdvisor, who have really been able to commandeer their market and make those industries accessible, we, we could do this in the, in the fitness industry. So in terms of finding someone that could bring that expertise to the table, how challenging was that? And if I know you now have found yeah. someone who's, who's, who's successfully helping you on that, on that technology journey, but what learning have you taken from that that you could pass on to people yeah. who are about to go through that process? Finding a technical co-founder was probably the hardest thing that we've done so far. Mm. Um, and you had to, we had to kiss a lot, a lot of frogs. So what we did initially, um, myself and my co-founder, Alex, who's the CEO, we scrolled LinkedIn, went to hundreds of meetup events, um, spoke to any contact of anyone who vaguely knew anyone in the tech industry, um, and just really, really met as many people as we could. We we started working with someone and we worked with them for about five months um, and we built a product. And actually, before we kind of come to the point where we were signing contracts, we, we realized that although they had the technical expertise, their vision, mission didn't match Go Sweats and, mm. and the idea for the future. So unfortunately, at that point, we, we kind of had to break ways and, and, and um, bin, bin the product that we'd, we'd built with them. And it was kind of in that, that point. Must have of, been a, a low moment. Uh, it was a low moment, but like a phoenix from the ashes, um, yeah. it kind of turned itself around. And um, Kent actually found us. Um, so from some post that we'd 
done months earlier mm. he kind of said okay well I'm, I'm interested in the fitness industry I am an, I'm an ex-GB kayaker uh, by the way I have a PhD in machine learning and and so it's a mixture of that that yeah. interest in technology and that wanting to build something along the interest. Yeah, and as well, I mean, he's ex he's completely experienced. He's an ex tech lead um, from yeah. Cardo, and uh, worked at Beamery as the as a head of um, head of tech there. So yeah, it was it was a really great fit, and it, it was quite ironic, really, where we'd spent all of these months searching and searching for someone, um, interviewing so many different people. And all of a sudden, you have a knock on the door, and um, so be patient. <laughs> yeah, so be patient, and I think as well, especially don't be afraid to. If somebody's not right, you can't make you can't make a square fit in a triangle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so having that courage to say, okay, this isn't working, um, passing on good ways, but but having the courage to do that, and knowing that something better will probably come along. Yeah. Um, and it and it really did for us. We're very lucky. We've been working with Kent now for uh, for nine months, so. Well, look, thank you for spending a few minutes with us. It's okay, not at all. I hope it wasn't and too long. No, no, absolutely not. And, uh, and good luck, because I know that you are close to, to, to closing that funding round. So. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. Lastly, uh, we've got iPrescribe, who are utilising a platform to help people with chronic diseases understand what exercise they can do. Uh, for instance, if you've had a heart attack, the idea of exercise might seem really, really scary. So getting the right advice on what kind of exercise to do is invaluable. Our last interview on this section is with I Prescribe Exercise. And Karen, you are the co-founder. I am. Along yeah. with your husband. Yes, Lewis. <laughs> which must be an interesting working dynamic. It is, it is. It means that we never stop working, I think. Right. That's probably the most important thing. So I can be working until two o'clock in the morning because he's there mm. and it's quite easy. But um, yeah. Setting boundaries at times must be. Difficult, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Difficult, yeah. But look, um, more interesting, I prescribe exercise. What is it? Yeah, so um, so it's obviously developed by physiotherapists. So both me and my husband are physios. Mm. Um, but um, it's um, an automated app. Um, and the app analyzes the user's health, arresting heart rate using the camera flash, um, and also the current fitness level. Mm -hmm. And it prescribes a graduated but personalized 12-week physical activity program. Um, which is used for the prevention and management of 20 different chronic diseases that we can specifically target. So we like to think we can um, manage uh, chronic disease with prescribed activity in the same way that a doctor can prescribe mm. drugs to manage this um, disease. And you were mentioning that, that actually when you look at the science, whilst drugs often are turned to at the moment, physical exercise far outstrips the benefits. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of evidence that shows us that physical activity can be used um, to manage chronic disease. And sometimes, in some cases, it, uh, it can work better than drugs. Mm. So there's, there's lots of evidence um, in diabetes, in, um, in depression, um, in pain management that shows us that um, actually exercise sometimes is more superior to drugs than managing chronic disease. So, yeah, the problem is at the moment that... Um, GPs really don't have the time to do this. They don't have the time to um, prescribe a physical activity program. Sometimes they don't even have the training to do it. So um, I could imagine it's probably just as easy for them to prescribe drugs. And I would also imagine, you might tell me that I'm entirely wrong here because you're the physiotherapist with the professional view, but I would imagine that the vast majority of people who are suffering from chronic diseases are slightly older 
and maybe they're not used to exercise. Okay. So whereas you might have the Instagram generation and, and kind of digital natives who are kind of fairly au fait with various different forms of exercise, these people might be a little bit yep. scared. I don't know whether that's the right word, but, but yeah. unsure of what to do, right? Completely, yeah. So we target, um, our target group really is the over 40s. Um, we're really not targeting um, the, the younger generation who, um, you know, the 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 tech world really already caters for. There's so many high-intensity exercise apps available mm. out there. We're targeting the slightly older generation who are more at risk, and we know that physical activity um, tapers off um, as, you, as we get older. We're far less likely to be physically active. Our health um, starts to deteriorate as well, so it all sort of ties in together. So, yeah, absolutely. Mm. These are the people that we, we need from a health point of view to, to really target and focus on and get moving. So, health tech is this area that's exploding at the minute. Yeah. And you've got people work through, who, who have worked in the medical profession. You've got people who have approached it from entirely different avenues, um, all bringing lots of different ideas into the, into the industry. But you recently have been approved by the NHS as one of their partner apps, right? Yeah, so we were, just in June, we were accepted onto the brand new NHS apps library. How, how much has that helped you, given the explosion of, of different tools and and products out there that people have to choose from yeah we're, we're really we're proud of the fact that they've uh, accepted us you know it's really um it's a complex application process um uh, it's hugely um important that they uh, i understand how important it is they go through security data protection mm. um at the time you know it it's it's really difficult to get it all done but afterwards you can really see the, the importance of it um, but they're really trying to protect um, their their users, you know, their NHS digital users. They're making sure that the apps are right for them. So, yeah, it, we're, we're delighted that we're on it. Um, I think it gives us a lot more respect and kudos to be associated with the NHS. Um, we are a worldwide app and um, we've really noticed... Um, people, particularly in America, um, commenting on the fact that we are on the NHS apps library. It mm -hmm. seems to be quite a respected brand almost. Out of interest, just to come back to the to the medical points, in terms of chronic diseases, you said it caters for 20 chronic diseases. Yeah. Are there any in particular that you're seeing from your data that it's really being used for and it's being effective on? Yeah, we, we, um, we think that uh, we're more likely to see people with heart disease mm -hmm. um, and diabetes use the app. But um, we ran a pilot study ourselves, and in fact, uh, the majority of our users had multiple comorbidities, so right. they're more likely to have a combination of different diseases. So something like heart disease, diabetes, osteoarthritis, depression is often linked to diabetes as well. You know, multiple things, and this typically happens. You know, in healthcare, we see um, a long list of chronic diseases that a patient will come in with, and an even longer list of medications that they might be on. So that is typical. Well, look, anything that can help take the strain off the NHS is a positive thing. So fingers crossed it continues to go well. And uh, thanks for spending a few minutes to talk. Thank you.